everybody, welcome to Striking Kicks, the podcast here on Championship Bowling. Uh, just to give us, ourselves a little introduction into what we're doing, this is our new podcast. Uh, an area where we can just kind of discuss some more topics freely, I guess. Less, uh, less scripted, less edited, and just kind of off the cuff opinions. Uh, my name's Chayton, uh, co-owner of Championship Bowling, and this is Kenzie. Of championship hey bowling. Um, Kenzie, give us a little background. Uh, I'm sure a lot of people know uh, who I am the, of bold, but uh, they may not know your background in like sports and uh, other competitions and, and such. And yeah, give us a little background of, of what's going on. Yeah, so uh, growing up, I actually played softball, so I don't have a ton of bowling experience, but. Um, yeah, I do have a little bit of competitive and uh, game. Game? Let's <laughs> well, Anyway, uh, Kenzie, she uh, she brings us the uh, non-bowler perspective, which, uh, in my opinion, is uh, extremely important because uh, a lot of bowlers are very, very narrow-sighted and uh, lose touch with uh, what general audiences like to see. So uh, Kenzie's perspective uh, here has, uh, I think, contributed to a significant amount of our growth uh, throughout the last year or so. Uh, and yeah, it's, it's important. And uh, that's kind of what the vibe is, I guess, for this show is uh, me, the expert, I guess, in, in the field of bowling uh, and Kenzie, the, uh, perspective non -expert. <laughs> the non-expert in bowling but you you know aesthetic you yeah you design most of our merch and you know what's entertaining uh, if it doesn't entertain you then it's probably not going to be entertaining to other people so we try to put out a product that is not only entertaining to us bowlers uh, but it's appealing to general audiences and uh, your perspective is invaluable for that so that's a little bit of an introduction about us and what we plan to do here with striking kicks uh to give you a little bit of a background on the name of Striking Kicks, this is kind of this was Kenzie's idea. Um, the last several times that we've been bowling, the reason that I was recognized, I guess you could say, uh, is the my right shoe, the push-off shoe, uh, transitioned to wearing a, a Jordan One Turbo Green, and uh, that's kind of my signature now. So that's why the the uh, podcast name Striking Kicks, right? That's right. <laughs> Um, but yeah, striking kicks, you know, we, we put on your striking shoes. It kind of is a playoff of that term. We tried to make it a little more modern. And uh, that's what I'm known for, I guess, is my turbo green Jordan 1 that's on my right foot now. I literally got at Samstown uh, last weekend, two weekends ago. The only reason he even is like, I thought that was you, but then I saw the <laughs> shoe and I knew. So that's happened a couple times. <clears throat> All right. So introductions out of the way. First thing we're going to talk about today is Kenzie's first league night experience. Yes, uh, I know some folks out there maybe say they hate league night, uh, but Kenzie got a taste of her first league night. Why don't you uh, tell everybody how that went? I would agree. I think that I need one of the I hate league shirts that I see on our Instagram <laughs> because I definitely agree. 
are you do you really agree it's more of a, a joke uh because you know like house shots and stuff and they're too easy or they're too clift or it's i don't know there's there's a lot of cliche in i hate league but um you know as a non-bowler right and you want to you obviously know me and I want to, the time that we want to spend together is bowling or, or I want to spend together. Some of it's bowling, but you know, as, as a non bowler, you know, there's some people out there that may have wanted to join a league before, but maybe we're too scared or too intimidated or, or something like that. So what do you, uh, did do you, what would you say to someone like that, that, that may want to join a league? How was your experience? Um, was it, Actually, was it fun? Was it good hanging out with me and your mom? Or how did you feel? Yeah, so it was fun to hang out with everybody for sure. Um, I'm sure I'm going to get to know a lot of people throughout this 10 weeks of league. But kind of where you were saying that the house shot's so easy, I definitely don't agree <laughs> because I couldn't even hit. 100 pins a game so that was that was really frustrating mm -hmm. for me but yeah yeah we experienced some frustrations out there um we have a plan though. we have a plan right we league in a lot of guys people's eyes not guys people's eyes is uh you just this league specifically is is, is for fun and we want you to get better uh, it's hard for us to commit a lot of time to just go bowl for fun or, or to practice and stuff. So uh, that's kind of what we're going to use this league experience. Nine more weeks left. Uh, so we put together a little bit of a game plan on how you'll uh, improve, right? So we have to put some goals in place on how you're going to improve. We've got the steps we're going to take. So tell me what were some of the issues. Tell us what were some of the issues that you had um, in the middle part of, of our league night. Well, there's a very long list of things that went wrong, but for starters, I I don't start or end with the correct foot, so that was a good start to the night. We transitioned, and most of it, most of the time, we were able to at least end on the right foot, on my sliding foot, so mm -hmm. that was good. Um, but, yeah, so... For the next few weeks, we're just going to plan on starting with one thing to work on and get that down um, until I feel like I'm pretty confident in it and then work on something else. So, yeah, there's a lot of things to work on for my game personally, but I think that after these few weeks, we should mm. hopefully see some higher scores. Hopefully. <laughs> I think I, we're really close, in my opinion. We are really close to getting you to consistently throwing the ball down the lane. I think the first thing is you were inconsistent on how many steps you did take. We got you down on the you know, sliding on your left foot, but then you would sometimes take seven or eight steps, and then you'd sometimes take five. So we're going to know that we're going to start with our left foot the first game. We're going to try to break this down into games, I think. Uh, and for those of you out there that maybe want to try to get better, that's that's what we're going to try at least. And what I think is a good idea is to take it game by game. So we're in the first game. We're just going to work on making sure that Kenzie starts with her left foot. And we're going to take five steps. And we're just going to make sure every shot that we take five steps and uh, start with her left foot. And then we'll move on to the second game. Once I, I think that should be enough shots because, you know, we, we may not strike a lot. So that's going to be, you know, 20 shots or so in that first game. But... Um, we're, we're, once we got that down, and I think 20 shots should be a good amount of shots to feel comfortable. Uh, I think then we just need to get the arm swing started in the right spot. And these are tough things. So 
I would say the the these are probably the biggest learning curves when it comes to bowling is because you know the balls are heavy, and getting to a point where you're not using your small muscles uh, and and just freely swinging uh, really comes down to timing and feel. You got to be able to know when to start the ball, and you have to be consistently taking the same amount of steps at the same speed so that your arm swing is also at the same speed. And that that's a really hard learning curve because the ball's heavy. If it doesn't fit right, then you know, you have to squeeze it and stuff like that. So I think we're in a good spot where we just want to take it slow. And for you little folks there at home, we this is a what I think is good. We're going to try it out. We're going to take some videos, I think, uh, of League Night Week 2. We'll wrap up League Night Week 1 and 2 together in one video, I think, is what we're going to do. Um, but we're going to try it, see what happens. And I, I, I think we will find some more success once we get you comfortable with your feet so you can trust them. Because it's the base, right? The base is your legs. And once you can trust your legs, you can start to free up the arm swing and, and, and get it in the right spot. So that's good. That's good. What do you what do you feel about like night? So I know a lot of, um, you know, for a time there, uh, a lot of people point at the pr privatization of our entertainment um, to the downfall of bowling. And um, I feel like we're seeing a little bit of a transition right now where we've had that, I guess, freedom to enjoy ourselves at home because we we're always on the go and out. And then that got taken away from us for a little bit, right? We, we weren't, didn't have these opportunities to get out. Uh, and it's hard to make time, right? And to set time, set time away to have you know, with friends or, or family in our league. It's me and you and, and your mom and your dad usually comes. So that's good quality time with some fam. Um, so I think, in my opinion, that's kind of where bowling could be and is kind of and we should maybe try to make them a little bit more of a push is you know it's a good time to set aside not not to get away from your fam but to be with your friends and family it's a commitment uh and and some of these leagues like this 10-1 week aren't, aren't too bad of a commitment they're not too long or too yeah. expensive so um what, what, what do you think of uh something like that because we don't really have things like that you know what i mean yeah so i think that for someone like me like i am competitive and so this is something where i can be competitive but still have fun and i think a lot of people want to find something like that in their life um is to be able to go do th like fun things with their friends their family or whatever but if you do have that competitive side you're also still like getting that mm -hmm. in so yeah. i think it's yeah, that's a really good point. And I think you see that a lot is there's not a lot of competitive opportunities outside of high school. If you're not playing a college sport, um, an organized competition, there's not a lot of it, to be honest. You know, yeah. There's some old man baseball leagues that like your dad plays in and, <laughs> yeah. and stuff that you can kind of get it out that way. But, you know, they're, they're uh, I don't know, they're, they're, like there's no money in it, right? There's no, you have to have a real passion to do something like that because there's no yeah, like... It's kind of just for fun, right? It's just because you enjoy going out and doing it. But with bowling, there's a little bit of an incentive. You know, one of the rare, the unique things, not really rare, but unique things with bowling compared to other sports is you can make money doing it uh, and not be a professional. There's uh, tournament organizations like ourselves that, you know, put on events and pay out a lot, a large sum of money. And you don't have to be part of a team. You know, you can't get cut. And really all it is is you going out and practicing and, and having a passion for it and you get rewarded for it. So I think that the competitive thing, right? You set a time to hang out with some family, but if you guys are competitive, Bowling is a really good outlet for that competitiveness. Um, so, yeah. Uh, moving on, though, uh, this weekend, this, so this is not this weekend, but the January 13th is the beginning 
of the Storm Utah Open, uh, which is setting up to be one of our biggest tournaments we've ever covered. Um, you know, our last grand finals, we had you know forty thousand views on the final stream. That's still growing now, uh, and historically, the last two years, Storm Utah Open's been our biggest tournament we've covered. So, oh, as yeah. we've grown, uh, I'm sure this is going to be just another one. And honestly, it, it's going to be in the tournament's history probably one of the biggest. That five hundred and fifty three entries, I believe they had last year, and I think they're going to have more this year. Uh, some big names are confirmed to come: Darren Tang. Brad Miller, PJ Haggerty, Carolyn Doran Ballard, some really big, some big professional touring players uh, are going to be in the building, uh, and we're going to have the opportunity to cover that action. So, one thing I wanted to ask you um, some of the storylines that have come up is Randy Miles uh, won last year in, in dramatic fashion. That was Very really cool dramatic. to see. Um, has an opportunity to join Josh Blanchard and Josh Link to repeat. So, he'd be the third consecutive repeat. Uh, Josh Blanchard won twice in a row in 1819, and then Josh Link in 20 and 21, and then in 22 was Randy Miles, and he has an opportunity to join them. Talk to me a little bit. You were down there at ground level. I was calling the action from behind the camera, but you were actually right there watching. I could, I, I'm only limited on what I can actually see. You could kind of see everything. You could see Kendall down there watching. You could see the Reese family, Nick, Lizzie, Manny oh. down there watching and cheering him on. Uh, give us a little perspective of what it looked like down uh, boots on the ground uh, when Randy picked the four seven eight ten, uh, and really that was the the winning moment of the tournament. Yeah, it was it was really crazy. Everyone was so invested in this game because it looked like Josh was going to three p. Like it, he had the game. He was he was to me it seemed like he mm. was going to win. That'd be the so, first three p too. He would join Clay Reese in having three titles, and it would be the first three-peat. So there's a lot of yeah. implications <laughs> if Josh had pulled this one off. Yeah, so I thought for sure, and then Randy threw a shot, and I don't know if it was a good or bad shot personally, but he was left with some ugly, <laughs> ugly pins to mm -hmm. take down, and he got it. And it was, it was crazy because everyone from the Reese family – Every obviously Kendall was losing his mind. Mm -hmm. It was it was really cool and getting those pictures and everything of him actually picking up the spare, Kendall running to hug him and everything. It was mm -hmm. it was really cool actually. It was a really special moment. So I'm glad that we were there to cover and their friends at, and family at home, they were able to mm -hmm. watch it yep. and yeah, so it was it was awesome. It yeah, was a good time. It it was uh, it's been my favorite call to date so far. I've had a couple of good ones. That one's probably the best one. You can hear in the background just before he picks it. Kendall holler uh, it was so loud. There's no microphone ever anywhere <laughs> close to where Kendall was standing, and you could still hear him uh, yell "Do it!" and it echoes throughout the whole center. And then he picks oh, yeah. it up, and everybody loses it. Uh, and it is cool that we can capture these moments. Like I said, there's like. Other, there's not a lot of opportunities like this outside of high school. Once you get on past high school, an opportunity like that, it, it's not common to no. uh, do and not really common to cover either. And that's kind of where bowling, I think, sets itself apart, really. Uh, you know, we have some some cons like every other sport does like the venues are really dingy and dark and uh it's a little bit expensive to buy equipment and stuff you know all sports have some you know negative drawbacks to them but i think bowling is unique in that there's a lot of opportunities outside of organized team competition you can still bowl on a team 
in an organized competition, but you don't have to. You can, you know, go bowl singles events uh, and make some money and, you know, chase the tour kind of for as long as you want. You don't have to come right out of college uh, and, and bowl on the tour. There's a lot of good competition up here uh, in the Northwest and, and kind of all around the country. So that's pretty cool. It was cool to watch. Uh, a couple other storylines. Um, Alex Hoskins, um, you know, you've, You've been boots on the ground for a lot, almost all of these tournaments the last two years. So yeah. you've seen Alex in the stepladder a lot. Uh, and you've seen time. last year, you know, he, uh, really, he, could, he struggled to win. He was always there. And he did have some wins on the season, but he really struggled to, to seal the deal sometimes. Uh, in the last two tournaments, I think he split late to lose mm-hmm. in those. Uh, and he hasn't won a Utah Open. That's crazy to think about that. Alex Hoskins, of all people, probably the most dominant bowler for the last five years, I'd say, up here in the Northwest, has not won a Storm Utah Open, and uh, historically has been in the in the uh, in the stepladder. Um, I think that that just shows that it doesn't matter how good of a bowler you are. The, this pattern every year is just so hard. Yeah, the it just if you find something that works, it works and. It doesn't matter if you're really great or not. Yep. That's, uh, I think, one thing, that, not one thing, one of the many things that bowling is unique in is the amount of things you can't control. Uh, it's, it's infinite, really, uh, when it comes to bowling. There's so many things that dictate the success you have that you have no control over. So, uh, you know, although it's a lot of games that you have to bowl and you can physically get tired after a while, it's a long day that we're on our feet, uh, and it's a lot of games that you're bowling. And once you're bowling at a high level, you're using a lot of your body to generate power and speed. But mentally, it is a big grind because you're constantly having to deal with things that are completely out of your control that um, affect, directly affect your success. So yeah. um, not only is it very, it is physically uh, draining, it's very mentally draining. Uh, and, you know, Alex, as good and consistent as he is, has a struggle struggled sometimes to seal the deal and win in, in situations that really look like he he locked in a tournament. Um, Utah Open is on the one on the list of probably major tournaments he hasn't won. He's made a TV show at the Masters, the USBC Masters, and still uh, failed to win a Utah Open. So you can just tell that's how stout the competition is and how hard it is to win that tournament. Oh yeah. Um, Clay Reese out here, he's been consistent for a very long time, consistently good for a very long time. He's the only three-time winner of this tournament, and he could extend that out to four this uh, this weekend. And he, I think he had a pretty good, decent run at team trials recently and won our tournament. This this bad chicken, there's two of these in existence. It's (laughs) one's right here, and the other is in uh, Clay's garage along with the giant... Uh, bracket. I kind of wanted to keep that, but we don't have any room for it here because <laughs> that thing was massive. But uh, yeah, he won and uh, it was in the same center, the Utah Open. What do you think Clay's, Clay's chances are this week? I think they're pretty high, but I I feel like someone new is going to win. Dang. Yeah. Clay I, throwing shade at him. <laughs> I think Clay's great and I know he normally he does well in this tournament, but yeah, I think someone new is going to take it. Hmm. Well, that happened last year. Uh, Randy um, started out pretty poorly, if you ask Kendall, and then went clean set, clean set, uh, and then just yeah, ran him he over. Was, he was Mr. Clean. That's it what was, we were calling him. That he, he, that they have thing. two spots. They pay out two spots. The first two people that go clean sets, and it's very hard to do with the Utah Open, uh, get paid a $350 bonus. Randy hit it twice, and he's 
and I think the last year before that or the two years before that, nobody hit it. So it was pretty cool to see, and he put up some big numbers. Um, yeah, I, I'm excited to watch um, from my perspective as a bowler, knowing that there's such good competition. Like I said, you know, Darren Tang, Brad Miller, Carolyn Dorn Ballard, PJ Haggerty, some great, great players. These players have – there's been a few of them that have tried the Utah Open before, um, haven't won yet because there is such elite-level talent out in the Northwest that aren't professionals. Uh, but these folks have kind of made a name for themselves. It's going to draw a lot of attention, I'm sure. Uh, I'm excited because we're going to get a lot of content of these folks oh, yeah. uh, bowling and probably struggling, and uh, that's always good for us, obviously. But um, for bowling, it's just going to look good. We're going to have – I'm would. i going to guess that we're probably going to have close to 600 entries. Uh, it would be cool to see if we eclipse that. I don't know. That would be close to maxing out the squads, I believe, from what Steve said. But – a lot of good bowlers, um, and I mean, I really, I don't. Doing the power rankings, I'm kind of worried because I don't know who I'm going to put up there. <laughs> you, obviously, you'd think maybe Darren Tang, Brad Miller, PJ Haggerty, they're touring professionals, but they haven't made. They've bowled the tournament before, not made a step ladder. Alex has made the step ladder in the last few years in this tournament. So how do you how do you put him below them? Randy Miles is defending champion. I think this pattern is going to play well for Randy, so it's hard to put him, but. Uh, down there, Andy Kinney made two step, made the last two step ladders of the season, and ended up winning the grand finals. So, how do you dog on him? Josh, um, Josh is putting together a really good run at team trials right now, and is always there, especially when they hook a lot and they have to get left. And then he can play straight when you can't get any more left. Um, yeah, it's it's. I, I'm going to have a really tough time. I'm going to tap Kenzie in here to just start pulling names out of a hat because this. The competition so stacked. Um, tell me though, what is what is what do you like as a, as a non bowler? You walk in, you see these big big events like this. What what is your favorite thing you you see at the like Utah Open and other big events like this? Um, I don't know. I I really like to see like once it gets down to the wire, all the people that actually stay and watch and cheer everybody on. Um, it's actually it's really. It's really exciting, and it it gets so dramatic, especially in those those tough tournaments where they really need to strike or they really have to pick up that spare. So I think that's probably one of my favorite things is just like everyone getting together. They enjoy cheering everybody on, and they really hope that it doesn't matter who wins. But obviously, they want. There's always going to be someone well, that yeah. they would want to win. Yeah. But everyone's cheering everybody on, and it's it's always a good environment. So. Yeah, it's cool to see. I like the pictures when we get to see, you know, kind of more candid photos that you, you capture of people hanging out with each other and the, kind of the atmosphere and, and yeah. how it feels. It feels big. Like if you walk, if you come in and you've, you, you haven't bowled a tournament like this, if you walk into the, the spare time at our tournament and Steve's tournament, it is packed. There is nowhere to sit. There's nowhere to stand. There's so many people in there with so much equipment everywhere. Uh, there's a lot of energy going around. Some people are bowling good. Somebody throws a 230 game. Their next game, they're pacing 160, and they're frying out. Uh, somebody's on a huge run. They could shoot 700, and everybody's talking about it. There's a lot of things going on, uh, and, and it's cool to see. Like, like, I really you – know, we've been to some – you know, I've, I've you know, been to like your brother's high school baseball games, some of yeah. your dad's games, and the atmosphere is, is – it's different. It's different. 
when you go to these events, there's a lot on the line. There's a storm staff contract on the line. So this is probably the, your, you want a sure way of getting on staff at, at a ball company and just come win this tournament. Bang. No, no questions asked. You don't need to be a influencer or anything like this, mm -hmm. like that. You just show up and win. So it, it is cool to see. And it's a different atmosphere than, you know, in any other non-professional sport, I'd say, I guess. I, I, I really challenge a lot of you when we had, you know, some of our friends come to our tournament. Yeah. It, it's a little bit of a shocker to see how many people, you know, really take it seriously and, you know, invest in the equipment, invest in their game as practice and, and come out here and how much it means to them. I, I think that's what I like to see too, um, is the, you know, the photos you get showing how much this, how much these people care, how much their competitors care and, and how much they want it. Oh yeah, definitely. Especially on the last days when you, we really get a lot of our really good content of just because everyone's trying to make it down to that stepladder, they're trying to get to that, that final game. And so every shot they're, they're either slapping it out or whatever. And they're so excited. They're so upset. And that's really just where you get all those really good videos and pictures of seeing the emotion that they're putting into every single shot mm -hmm. and all the energy that they put into it. So yeah, it's pretty cool. It is. It is. Now, before we head out, uh, the fo the people at home are going to know my picks throughout the week. They'll get my picks. But what what is your pick this this week? Who's going to take home the Storm Utah Open Championship? I don't know. I just I'm no, you got I'm sticking with someone new. No, you got pick. Somebody new is going to take it. You got pick. I don't have a name. You got a name. I don't have you a name. Better think of it right now. I don't have a name. You got a name. I, don't I, I feel it's on the tip of your tongue. You know. I don't have a name, someone but new. I do think someone new is going to win or Josh Link. So you think Josh Link? Well, but he's not new. So if someone that is wow. going to win that is not new, I think it will be Josh. All right. But you got a fan, Josh. I'm just letting you know right here. Hey, if I mean, Josh hangs out with me and he's <laughs> nice to me down there. So <laughs> awesome. Well, thanks guys for Wait. tuning in. What? So I have a question. Has anyone shot 300 at Steve's tournament? Ooh, that's a good one. Steve and I were actually talking about this uh, on Friday. We were talking. He's telling me that no one has shot 300 before. So that those are Steve words, not mine. Don't come at me in the comments if you shot 300 at the Utah Open before. That's what Steve told me. I know that Steven Malanueva last year had like front nine or ten. Again, that I'm not 100% sure of either, so don't don't harass me in the comments if that's not true. I know he shot like 270 or 280, and that was the highest game of uh, the tournament last year. And I know I've seen Alex have like front eight or nine before too, a couple of years ago too. But I don't know of anybody that shot 300 at this tournament. And... Uh, yeah, it's just kind of tough, too. So do you think anyone will this year? Mm. I think that if there was a year that someone would, it could potentially be this year. Uh, bowl on the pattern. Uh, I know that you know early on, there's there's a little bit of a look. Now, if you, you have to get lined up on a pair where the gutter hooks a little bit, uh, and, and you could... I think you could throw some strikes. Now, the, the tricky part at spare time uh, is you don't you don't get a lot of hits. You don't get a lot of good hits. You're, you're going to hit the pocket and not strike a lot. You know, we tried to soften up the pattern a little bit. It was still sport. It was sport compliant, but we uh, you know wanted scores to be decent, uh, and they played pretty tough. Uh, people were hitting the pocket a lot and not striking. You know, Kyle Morrison, 7'10", 
to end his pretty amazing run uh, in the bracket. How many? I think he bowled what sixteen like sixteen games. games that yep, day. sixteen games that day on Insane. Sunday. It was pretty wild. It did, to be ended, Nick Burrow ten pens, and then Commerce comes up in the roll off and seven tens and. Heartbreaking. But, yeah, in that sense, the pins don't fly. They were old pins at our tournament that uh, needed to be replaced. And we now know, they're new. And now they're new. So old pins don't really fly once they get to a certain age. And new, brand new pins don't fly either. So I think it's going to be a, a, a grind. You're going to get – I think you'll, I think you're going to find pairs where you can shoot 230, 240. Uh, but you're going to find pairs where 180 is going to be the best score you can get. And managing that is really tough mentally. Uh, and and I, it's just – it's just too hard to string seven, eight strikes in a row in that center. It, it's so hard there, uh, and I, I, it makes for some good action. I'm gonna tell you, it makes the games close. People don't run away with it. You're going to get stacked up maybe four or five strikes in a row in a match, and you, you kind of have a confidence knowing that they're probably not going to keep that going. At some point, they will 10-pin uh, or potentially even split off that. So. Uh, I think that's really what makes the action and, and, and the drama. That's why Josh Link didn't get too far away. That's what allowed Randy to stay close, um, be able to make that spare, uh, the, the four, seven, eight, ten, and, and eventually win. Because Josh seemed pretty lined up, like you said, to start up. But, yeah, yeah you kind of have this confidence that you know that a big score really isn't out there, especially late in the day. Mm-hmm. Well, thanks, Kenzie, and thank all of you guys. This is uh, kind of a new thing, Striking Kicks. We're trying to bring uh, a fresh perspective to the game of bowling, and we've got Kenzie, who doesn't have a lot of experience with the game, and me, who started bowling when I was three. So uh, hopefully uh, we can answer some questions. If you haven't, throw them down in the comments. Next episode of Striking Kicks, we will get them. What? And if you're in the comments of the live stream saying all these people suck, you should come bowl it and see if you can do any better. Wow. Shit. You should. <laughs> you should come bowl. We'll gladly take your entry fee and uh, watch you struggle on some of these patterns that these guys are bowling on. But yep. very good point. Be good point. Okay. Guys, we appreciate you tuning in, and we'll see you next time. Thanks, guys.